Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And I, uh, I, you know, I put a lot of different topics together that we will probably talk about, and then I end up changing it at the last minute. Uh, I have a lot of backup topics. We're working on Hebrews, and we've been uh, going through that step by step, and we're in chapter 7, and we've got about 11 hours already in audios prepared, and we'll release that. We've already done Romans and several others. And you can find them all on our website at hisholychurch.org. Hebrews isn't all up yet, but it's going to be once we have it finished. And we edited it and put it together so that you have kind of a unique look at Hebrews because a lot of people have misconceptions about what Hebrews is all about. It's one of the more unusual epistles. It's written way different. There's all kinds of words that you find in Hebrews you don't find anywhere else in the biblical text. And so it's very unique. And you couple that with a lot of those damnable heresies that have crept into our thinking and you can lead a lot of people astray. You do the same things with Corinthians and everything else. Everything that you read in the Bible has been translated from another language and of course that can affect your impression of what the original author was saying. And so, you know, the meaning of the words in the mind of the author is absolutely essential to understand, to understand what the Bible is saying. Now, the meaning of words varies in every language in every age. And we've done several shows recently, and we have those up where you can... Uh, look at them. We have articles up that were made. Actually, we made recordings prior to the uh, articles going up on News of Views on religion and faith, and then those are also at org. And religion was a hundred years ago, it had to do with what you do. And two hundred years ago, it had to do with your performance of your duty to God and your fellow man, which means social welfare. How you took care of your social welfare. How you took care of the needy of your society. You're supposed to love your neighbor. Your neighbor's in trouble. You're supposed to come to his assistance and to his aid. You know, the whole idea of right to bear arms was a responsibility to bear arms. To protect your neighbor against thieves and robbers and invading hordes or whatever. Or fire or famine or whatever. You're supposed to love your neighbor. And that means protect your neighbor and help your neighbor. And that's your duty, according to Christ, because that's the law. I mean, Christ gave you, you know, two laws, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's not just sitting in the pew loving your neighbor. That's actually going out and helping your neighbor if he needs help. Now, if he's lazy and he wants you to go get him another beer, you don't have to do that. But if he's a hard-working guy and he, and he trips and falls and breaks his leg and his family's going to go hungry because he can't work, uh, you should be helping them out. 
if you know a tree falls on their house, you should go over and help them get that tree out of their house and get it closed up so that they don't freeze to death. That's your duty to your fellow man. You're supposed to do that. Now, how you do that, there are righteous ways to do that. There are unrighteous ways to do that. And if you make covenants with other men and say, you guys take care of it, and uh, then I'm going to go get another beer, but then I give you the power to tax me a little bit, but then they end up taxing you more and more and more and more because you gave them the responsibility of taking care of you, of taking care of your responsibility to your fellow man. That's religion. Your religion is established by force. John the Baptist came and preached a religion to be established by faith, hope, and charity. You got some extra time and your neighbor needs help. You take your time and you share. You shift your time around so you can go over there and help your neighbor. You got an extra coat. You give him a coat if he has no coat. If he doesn't have enough food, you share your food with him. You do that. It's your responsibility. You are not to hire men who call themselves benefactors, but force the contributions of all your neighbors so that you can sit back and have another beer and watch football or baseball or go bowling or whatever it is you want to do. You're you're given a right and a responsibility to take care of the needs of your neighbor, and that is religion. You know, write it down. That's what that's the way religion was defined at the time the Constitution of the United States was written. If you go back and you read in Bovier's, which was a dictionary particularly adapted for the use in defining the words of the Constitution, religion is the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. Your religion today is Social Security, Obamacare, welfare, WIC, food stamps. That's your religion. That's how you fulfill your duty to God and your fellow man. It is not based on charity. It's based on force. It is exactly the opposite of what John the Baptist was preaching. Exactly the opposite of what John the Baptist was preaching. I repeat that. So that you get that in your head. It is the Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. That's what you are doing. That is your church. Down there at the Social Security Administration office where you get your number, that is your membership number in the congregation of the United States. You have entered into a religious union with your government. You've done this in Australia. You've done this in Canada. You've done this in England. You've done this in Brazil. You've done this everywhere. You get a Sessula or a Social Security number or an SIN number or a national insurance number. That is your religion. That's how you fulfill your duty to God and your fellow man. And it is contrary to the ways of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, Moses. You know, people talk about the Muslims. You know, uh, uh, 
Arab, uh, well not Arab, but Muslim religion being, you know, so dangerous and, you know, all, all this stuff. Your modern Christians are dangerous. Your modern Jews are dangerous. None of them are listening to Abraham, Moses, or Jesus Christ. None of them, as the denomination goes. I mean, there's there's some out there that are beginning to wake up, but really, the consensus, the majority of all these groups, Shiite, Muslims, whatever you want to do, they all depend on social welfare provided by men who say they're benefactors but actually exercise authority and compel the contributions of the people to provide those benefits, that benevolence, that benefaction of society, but not through faith, hope, and charity, but through force. This is why John the Baptist was preaching the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, until John, people were trying to do this by force. By force. And they would sign up so that they had a common purse. And by force, they would take from each other through men who called themselves benefactors but exercised authority. Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. He said it in the Gospel of Mark. He said it in the Gospel of Matthew. He said it in the Gospel of Luke. I mean, how many times does he have to tell you? It is not to be that way with you. But it is that way with Christians. It is that way with Jews. It is that way with Muslims. It is that way with Buddhists. It is that way with, I don't care, you know, Benai, uh, what is it, I was thinking benign face, but that's not really the correct pronunciation. But it's not supposed to be that way. That's not what God has been teaching from the beginning. I mean, why does it say free will offering so many times in the Old Testament? Talking about the money that was supporting the ministers of their government. That's right. Levites were the ministers of their government. The Levites were faith, hope, and charity. The Levites were the FEMA of that day. And how did they get elected? Did you elect a king and then the king appointed the ministers who would run your FEMA program, your homeland security, your your health education and welfare? No. You did it from the bottom up. Ten families got together. They picked a minister. And if he did a good job, they tithed to him according to his service. That's a quote. Tithe to him according to his service. Now, they were supposed to tithe. Now, there's no rule in there that says, okay, you're going to have to tithe. And if you don't, we're going to arrest you and throw you in jail. You know, we're going to take your house and all this stuff. No, if you didn't tithe, you didn't probably not going to get any benefits when you needed help. And it only takes about a generation in the desert to figure out that you're going to need your neighbor. And so you say, well, I'm going to tithe because if I don't help them, they're not going to help me. And their sons aren't going to help my sons and, and help me when I'm an old age or help my wife when she's a widow. Nobody's going to help. Nobody's going to care because I didn't care. You see, that's a different kind of society. It's bound together by love. Faith, hope, charity. That's not the way you do it in your church. Oh, you go to church so that you feel good 
about what you think you believe about a divine creator. That's what the definition is today of religion. What you think is the character of the supreme being. And you say, that's my religion. And the uh, the reason I was going to start in this direction is because I got an email. I got lots of questions. I was going to go through the emails. I actually have my notes opened up to the Hebrews, but I'm going to, I'm going to take you over to my week. (laughs) What I go through during the week. And I get, you know, 500, 600, 700 emails a day. And, you know, I try, I, I cannot go through them all. It's just impossible. And I, I'm, I'm looking, I got an email here from Australia that they, going through uh, people that they meet you know, as far away as South Africa, other people talking about the books and who they're sharing the books with. We have Facebook pages. And then I have a Facebook page that people can join, but we have His Holy Church has a Facebook page. We have different people in California here. I see emails coming from California, Hawaii, and Wisconsin, Minnesota, Tennessee, Missouri, people all over. And some of them are conversing back and forth in what we call the Living Network. And you can get on that Living Network by going to thelivingnetwork.org. And it will take you to a, a website that will allow you to sign up in your local area so that you're connected with people that are down home. Because, see, the idea that this kingdom of heaven, this building of the kingdom of heaven upon this rock of faith, this rock of divine revelation, where you suddenly begin to see what everybody around you is not seeing. Because everybody around you is living not only in the world, but of the world. Most of these churches that you see where people gather and they sing and they pray and they they listen to some sermon for an hour and a half that really makes them feel good, they're of the world. Their religion, their real religion, how they fulfill their duty to God and their fellow man is done by the government. Which is really funny because they talk about separation of church and state. Well, I'd be fine with that. I'm all for separation of church and state. But the state is now in the religion business. It's in the social welfare business. You see, for hundreds and hundreds of years, social welfare was all handled by the state. On our book, The Free Church Report, which talks about how you organize a free church based on what the Bible says and what the law is today. On the cover, I have a picture of Lady Godiva. And, you know, I always tell about how I tease pastors when I go to show them the book. I says, well, now, this has a picture of Lady Godiva on it. And I slowly turn it around. And they expect to see a nude lady on a horse. She never was naked on a horse. She's a real woman, one of the richest women in England at the time. And she, her second husband, her first husband died, and her second husband was a Norman. And he was given an order to tax the people to provide money for the church. That's right. Tax money from the people. Take forced contributions from the people 
and give it to the church. And she said, we can't do that. That's wrong. And he says, if you give up your wealth, I won't tax the people. And she did. And she started giving up tremendous amounts of her wealth, built uh, orphanages and schools and libraries and all kinds of public works, hospitals. She started building everything. Still to this day, she's considered the patron saint of architects because she built so much stuff with her own money. And her husband was so impressed by her charity that he himself gave his own money to do the same thing. They were both very noble people, very giving people. They were the rich people who were actually taking care of the poor. And God blessed them for the rest of their lives, and they lived long lives. They were very moral people. Never, never did he say anything about riding naked through the town. That's a story made up by some monk who was locked up too much in his little cubicle, and he made that whole story up over a hundred years after they died. So anyway, she understood that you had to have charity to take care of the needy. And it was not the job of government because that would be mixing church and state, you see. What they've done now is they don't call it church. They call it Social Security Administration. (laughs) They call it the Welfare Office or the Human Resource Office. But they have mixed it just same as Nimrod mixed it. See, Nimrod was a mighty provider instead of the Lord. That's what that means if you read that in the original language. He was a mighty provider instead of the Lord, not a mighty hunter. The word is never translated hunter except right there. Normally it's translated provisions or victuals or something that you, you know, meats that you provide. Free cheese, free meat, you know. It was where you went and got your EBD card from Nimrod. And Nimrod forced the contributions of the people so there was always enough money there for them. But, of course, he eventually went bankrupt, just the same as Rome went bankrupt and Egypt went bankrupt when they all tried the same thing. The same as the countries today. Every single country doing this. Every single country doing this across the board. This socialist religious state union is operating in the red. Every single one. You know, I've told a story about a guy bragging about how New Zealand was so great because they take care of your teeth even if you're just a visitor. Well, the New Zealand government doesn't take care of your teeth. They don't take care of your health care. It's $50,000 in debt for every man, woman, and child in New Zealand because they're giving that away. So who's paying that debt? The children. When you're sitting there in the dentist's office, you look out the window and every little baby you see out there, they're going to have to pay for your teeth with interest. That's right, with interest. (laughs) You scoundrel yet. You curse the children, but you got your teeth fixed. Wonderful system, that. You got your teeth fixed, but you cursed the children of New Zealand with the debt of having to have your teeth fixed for free, not for free, 
at the expense of those children and their children, because they're not going to pay off that debt. And you think you keep the Sabbath. No way you keep the Sabbath. You're in debt. Your nation's in debt. Your neighborhood's in debt. You're not keeping the Sabbath. Because you're not working first and taking your day of rest. You're taking your day of rest and you owe the money. That's what Sabbath is all about. I was just doing a study just before this. I've got articles up on it already. Sabbath is about debt and staying out of debt. Doing the work and earning the rest. Earning the vacation. Not going borrowing money, taking a vacation and then owing the money back. But you guys are taking vacations and your children owe the money. (laughs) <laughs> My gosh, you curse your children, just like Peter said you would, through covetousness. He said you'd curse your children, and you did. But you've read the Bible, and you probably don't know where he said that, do you? Your preacher, how many of your preachers can tell you about where Peter says that you will curse your children because you covet your neighbor's goods? You go ask your minister. If he doesn't know where that is, If he's not even familiar with that, you better get the hell away from that pastor. Because he's an idiot. He doesn't understand the gospel. I, I use that language, hell away from that, because that's where he's leading you, is to hell. Now, I had an email a couple days after the ones I'm looking at right here that reminded me of that. I can just go through this every week and do a program, because I get... Email, we had study groups on thy, king, thy kingdom study group on, uh, they're going to thy kingdom comes and they put up a study list and you can call in and ask questions every week. Every week they do that. And they do it for free. You know, that's, I've, I've seen guys pay $600. I've seen guys pay $1,500 to get on these conference calls to listen to a bunch of BS. And then if they ask, I gave one guy, I gave him a list of questions to ask because he was getting on that call. He paid 600 that this particular guy, to get on this call where these guys are going to tell him all the answers and solutions and everything. And uh, he got on there and I says, well, ask him these questions. He didn't even get to the end of the list. And it was only a handful of questions. And he was blackballed and he didn't get his 600 bucks back. They they wouldn't let him on the call anymore, and he didn't get his six hundred bucks back because he actually asked intelligent questions. <laughs> they don't want no intelligent people. We just want people with six hundred bucks, and people fall for that. Everything on our website you can you can download for free. It's all free. There it is. We just give it away. You know, it's worth thousands and thousands and thousands. If you go to the Patriot community and ask them what it's worth. For the same amount of information, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because <laughs> I've seen, you know, people you know want to start churches and create corporate souls. I can guarantee you that most of the corporate souls out there that I've seen will get you put in jail. Uh, based on what they're saying they do. Now, you may not do those things, but... If you do what they say you can do, you will probably go to jail or at least receive stiff, stiff fines because they're not telling you the truth. 
worship. We're trying to show you the truth. Now, if somebody wants to come and debate this and discuss this and show me where we're incorrect, wow, we'd love to hear from you because we want to make sure we're right. But when we come back, maybe we'll talk about how wrong you can be when you read the Bible and the doctrines of the church. What are the doctrines of the church? We'll talk about that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom after this brief break. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, During the break, I got to read an email that I had missed during the week when I was going back through here. (laughs) This review. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of them I missed. I used to monitor just about every group out there and but now we've got other ministers that are coming along. We're actually still short of help. And, of course, Christ said we would be short of help. And, of course, we don't pay our help. So we're looking for men who volunteer. And that's very important. As a matter of fact, I just thought of another email I, I neglected to attend. <laughs> it's getting a little overwhelming. I can't keep up with it. So, And networking is the only way to do this. So we've developed what we call the Living Network, and everybody on that Living Network is on an email. Well, not everybody, actually. Uh, There's a lot of people on that that are on the email groups. Everybody's not on the net. But that's a connection point. And then eventually you form what we call Congregations of Record, or CORE. And uh, Congregations of Record are Congregations of Recorded Elders where we recognize that you are an elder of the family by your circumstances. That's what you do. That's what CORE is. It's a recognition of, as a matter of record, that you're an elder. Because we don't even like to use the word that you're a member of a congregation, because a congregation is a free assembly. It's not an unincorporated association. It's not a corporation. It doesn't have a corporate charter. It is the state. From what we, from our point of view, the elders are the state. They are in a state of nature. Now, some of them have made contracts with all kinds of other people and have those obligations. But from our point of view, they are free souls under God. Because that's what we can deal with. We can deal with that part of them that is a free soul under God. And they can contribute to the church and the church can contribute to them. Freely give, freely receive, freely receive, freely give back. And we become the FEMA of those congregations, which is Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary. We help take care of the needs of the people. Like we had this big snowstorm that went through the Dakotas, and we went and had people contact people that we have in the Dakotas to make sure that they were okay, and they were. They weren't in some of those spots that were hit really bad. And we've done the same thing in other parts of the world when there's been flooding, etc. And most of our people are pretty well prepared. So we haven't had a lot of desperation. Uh, We had a nuclear power plant that was about to melt down once, and people were offering their homes all over the network in areas that would not be affected by the winds that would come out of that nuclear power plant. But it didn't didn't melt down that time. It was about to be flooded. uh, but it didn't, and uh, so everybody was okay. But this is this is what we're doing with the Living Network. We're actually looking for people who care about their neighbors 
as much as they care about themselves. Now, who's their neighbor? Well, it's other people who care about their neighbors as much as themselves. It's not the people, it is not your neighbor who doesn't care about his neighbor as much as himself. That's not your neighbor. He just lives next door. He's a stranger in your midst. Now, you may help him too. That's what the red heifer was about in the Bible. See, you think the red heifer had something to do with a cow and something to do with uh, the color red. And it doesn't. It has to do with foreign aid outside of the congregation of the people. What was the congregation of the people? The congregations, uh, the tabernacles of the congregation. That's what it actually says, tabernacles of the congregation. What is tabernacles? What is the definition of the word tabernacles that you're getting? It's the same word for tents. So when they write tabernacle of the congregation, you think they're talking about that big tent in the middle of Israel that moved around in those old days. And they're actually talking, a lot of times, they're talking about the individual tents of the congregations, I mean, each individual household. And this is what the Levites were to perform the services of the tabernacles, the tents of the congregation. In other words, they were to be faith, hope, and charity operating to provide health, education, and welfare. That's right. That's what the Levites' job was. I mean, who was doing that? Every society needs that. So who was doing it? It was the Levites. And how did they do it? Everybody gave free will offerings, charity, and they gave it to ministers they saw doing the job. The better they were doing the job, the more they got. Now today, since religion has moved from the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man to what you think about a supreme being, what do your ministers do? They tickle your ears. They make you feel good about being the workers of iniquity that you are. Because see, you're all workers of iniquity if you are praying, applying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other to obtain those benefits that are provided by taking away from your neighbor by that exercising authority force. You see, if you're participating in such a system of Corbin, that's a system of sacrifice, where the sacrifice is not free will offerings, you're anti-Christ. That's right, you're anti-Christ. You are of the beast. You are of the world. My gosh, that's just about everybody. But that's okay. Because now, guess what you need to do? Guess what you get to do? You get to repent. You get to turn around. You get to start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's the kingdom of God? The right to be ruled by God. How do you get the right to be ruled by God? Because you don't have that right now. You're ruled by the beast. You're ruled by Nimrod. You're ruled by Babylon. You have prayed to Babylon. You have made offerings to Babylon on his altars, in his churches. And you have to do that because you signed a covenant with him, a contract with him, that 
if he will try to take care of you with what he gets, he gets to take from you. And your neighbors have done the same thing. And now everybody in the world who are of the world are taken from every year, every day, every week to provide benefits for everybody else. And, of course, it's not enough. So now they're going to be putting everybody's children into debt and their children into debt. And so you're all cursing your children. You've gone whoring after these other gods, these ruling judges. Wow. Man. And you're following Joel Olstein and Billy Graham's son, was it Frank or something like that? And all these other ministers, you're following them straight to hell. And in the next show we do, we'll talk a little bit more about hell and heaven because that was another email that I got from somebody who wrote me rather than write the whole group as if somehow I have secret counsel that I'm going to give. (laughs) I'm not going to give secret counsel. What are the doctrines of the church on heaven and hell? What are the official doctrines of the church established by Jesus Christ on heaven and hell? Well, who's the official of the church? Who is the official of the church established by Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. That's right. So what did Jesus Christ say about heaven and hell? That's the official doctrines. Now, the question is, what did he mean by what he said? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now we got a question. What did Jesus mean? Do I have the right to tell you what Jesus means? Is that the way he's going to build his church? That he's going to make me Pope and then I tell you what? Jesus meant, and you have to believe it because I'm an official of the church. Jesus said we weren't to exercise authority one over the other. The Bible tells you that it's not given to private interpretation. And my opinion is my private opinion. I don't have the right to tell you what it means. I have the right to tell you what I think it means, but that's my private interpretation. I have a right to tell you what my private interpretation is. And you have a right to tell me what your private interpretation is. But I don't have a right to impose it on you. I certainly don't have the right to impose it upon the church. How did Christ say he was going to build his church? Blessed are you, Peter, for you know this, not by flesh and blood, but my Father who has revealed it to you. That's right. If you want to know what Jesus meant by that, he's got to reveal it to you. Isn't that what the prophecy is? In Jeremiah and in Hebrews, I will write it upon your hearts and upon your minds. He didn't say he was going to write it on mine and then I go write it on yours. He's going to write it on yours. Now, we get to talk about these things, but we should not be dividing one another over these things. What what are we uniting on? Our private interpretation? You're not supposed to be going around shopping for the church that agrees with your private interpretation and then you're going to go to that church. You're supposed to be looking for the church that agrees with Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus Christ say? Not your, I'm not getting into the interpretation of what you think he said. What did he say? He said, love one another as I have loved you. Did all the apostles agree with Jesus? Did Jesus agree with all the apostles? No. They were getting stuff wrong right up to the last minute. 
even after Christ left, they still had to send angels to rebuke Peter because he was still going the old school that he had learned. And that's part of the baggage that comes with us. And that's okay. Because that gives us, every time we have baggage, you know what that gives you a chance to do? Repent. That's right. You get to repent of that baggage. You get to set it down. When you start setting down that baggage, then grace will come. People say, oh, we're saved by grace. We're saved because Jesus saved us. Jesus didn't save most of you. I mean, he, he everything he needed to do that you be saved, he's done. But what you need to do to be saved, you ain't done. Ah, there you go. Just saying that he died for you because you said some words once back in April 14th, 1998, doesn't make you saved. It's not those who say. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's those who do. Are you doing what Jesus say? <laughs> no, you're not. You're doing the opposite of what Jesus say. You're saying words, but you're not doing them. You're still a worker of iniquity because you're still praying to men and call themselves benefactors who exercise authority one over the other to get benefits, to take care of you, to provide you with the grace of their benevolence. And you're just, you're out to lunch. You're a worker of iniquity. And, and Jesus told you not to be that way, and you're being that way, so you don't even love them. That's right, you don't even love them, because you don't even know them. Because some preacher told you that all you had to do was say these words, and you said, boy, that's cool. I just say these words, and I'm saved. Wow. Cool. That's easy. I could say these words, but I'm not going to do them. But he says as many as... You know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Why Why do you say you love me and you don't keep my commandments? Because you don't really love them. Now, that's okay. I'm picking on you, but that's okay because now you can learn to love them. You're not going to try to learn to love them. You're not going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness if you think you're already saved. The devil loves that. That you think you're already saved. That you don't have to do anything. Can you imagine? Isn't that a cool argument? The devil come along. You don't have to do anything. You just have to think a thought. And you're saved. Even though Jesus says you have to be doers. He doesn't say you have to be. You're still going to be saved by grace. I don't care how much doing you do. You're still going to be saved by grace. I'm not taking that away. I'm not saying you earn it. But all those guys, he says, get you from me, you workers of iniquity. They all thought they were saved. They thought they were doing all these great things in the name of Jesus Christ. Boy, look at the size of our church. Look at all the people we come at altar called. Ain't we? Look at the wonderful things that we're doing in your name. And he says, get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. You're not even doing the basics. You're not, you think love's a feeling. Love's not a feeling. Love is an action word. It's a doing. And love includes sacrifice and everything else. So what are you going to do about it? How do you seek the kingdom of God? Let's get some practical things before the end of the show. Are you gathering together in the name of Christ? 
I mean, how many people out there go to church think they're gathered in the name of Christ? What's the name of Christ? Jesus, Yeshua, and people, anybody who's focusing on the spelling, they probably don't know what they're talking about. And I say probably, because they may, you know, there is a spelling. You know, they're, you're, you're dealing with Hebrew letters, so if you really want to spell it right, you're going to have to learn Hebrew. But it isn't, it isn't the spelling. It's the character of Christ. That's how you come in the name of Christ. I mean, there's a guy up in, he's around Culver somewhere, somewhere between Culver and Sisters, and his name is same as my name. And he can come into a bank and say, I'm coming in the name of Gregory Williams. And he's not coming in my name. He's coming in the name of Gregory Williams, but it's not my name. Because it's not me. You know, he doesn't get to take my wife anywhere. He doesn't get to, you know, ride my horse. Because he's not me. He's got the same name, but he's not me. He's not coming in the character of me. As a matter of fact, he's in debt. His cows have got a lean on him and everything else. So, he's not even doing things like I do things. So, the name isn't the spelling. What is the name then? It's the character of Christ. It's it's how the spirit that he came in. So, what was the spirit of Christ? What what was he doing when he came? I mean, what was the character? What was the spirit that moved him to come? He was obeying the Father. But did he come to be free? Or did he come to set others free? Did he come to be served? Or did he come to serve others? Wow. He even talks about that. What is better? To be at meat or to be served? You know, to serve others. What is better? He says to serve. So, when you gather together in a congregation, are you coming there to serve? You know, in most churches, barely 10% of the people do all the work. That's right. I mean, you go around, you, you go look at the church ladies who go and they set up things and they set up chairs and they fix meals and they do all this stuff and they just give, 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 give of their time. They're closer to the kingdom than the pastor is most of the time. Most of the time. I can't say all the time. Because they come to serve. He comes to be looked up to. And he went to get a college education. So you look up to him and say, Oh, pastor. Oh, reverend. This is why a lot of them are driven to uh, immoral activity. Is the guilt of being looked up to all the time when they really aren't that. They shouldn't even be up on the pedestal you guys are putting them on. You shouldn't be putting your pastors on pedestals. And your pastors shouldn't fit. Your pastors should be ministers. They should be foot washers. And, you know, and rebukers. They're not supposed to be tickling your ears. You know, so... That's the character you have to have when you gather together is how can you help others. You're not looking for a church that makes you feel good. You're looking for a church that lets you do good. That's right. Not be good, do good. Because you're not good. But you can do good. And if you are seeking to do good, do righteousness, then grace will abound. And you will be forgiven. 
and you will have the salvation of Christ. But if you're just looking to feel good and feel saved and feel self-assured and have your ears tickled and and sit in a pew on your hind end thinking, I love my neighbor, then you're not going to get the grace of God because you haven't come in His name. You don't really believe in Him or His ways. You're not... That's what... You know, Christianity was called the way. The way sounds like you got to go somewhere and do something. Yeah, you got to be a doer of the Word. If you're not, you're not saved. And that's how you know you're not saved because we judge you by your works. And we say, well, you know... This guy says he believes in Jesus, but he's, you know, he's throwing fits at his wife, and he's screaming and yelling, and he's, you know, whining and crying. He's the last one to show up to work and the first one to leave. And, you know, he may believe in God, and he may believe in Christ, but he don't believe in him very much. Because I don't see Christ in his walk. You know, so you got to see Christ in his walk. You know, these ministers who make themselves rich, I mean, rich, rich, they don't fit the bill of Jesus Christ's ministers. Jesus, though he was rich, he made himself poor. And he even said over and over again, he said that if you want to be one of my disciples, and his disciples were studying for the ministry, that's that's disciple of student doesn't mean that you're not a believer. It says if you want to be one of the disciples, the student minister, studying the Padawans of Christ, you got to give up everything you have and follow him. Because that's what he did. He was rich. He made himself poor. So anytime you see a minister who may have been poor but made himself rich, he's not really a minister of Christ. He may be a nice guy. And he may be entitled to the money he made because he may have, you know, wrote books and sold them and all this stuff. But he's not a minister of Christ. He's not an official minister of Christ because he's doing what Christ said the ministers had to do. And what they did for hundreds and hundreds of years until Constantine's church took over during the Inquisitions and stamped out real Christianity by killing and murdering millions upon millions upon millions of people. And now you're born in a world that is where the beast rules. Where people take from one another, they covet one another's goods, they make covenants and contracts, they swear oaths, they bind themselves under penalty of perjury to get the benefits that are taken from their neighbor. They curse their children into debt after debt after debt, mountaining debt. And you're born into that. And I'm out here, voice in the wilderness, saying... Repent. 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 Make straight the way of the Lord. Turn around. So you need to gather together. This is the this is the key step. Step one. Gather together for the purposes of serving others. We have people come up here and they, they expect to find a big church like, you know, Joel Olstein's church. You know, thousands of people all sitting around in pews and stuff. We don't even have those kind of buildings. You can't work in a pew. Pews where you go to sit and rest. And, you know, the church is where you should go to work. To do the... I mean, Christ came to work. James says, 
Judge me by my works. Judge my faith by my works. And all these guys say, oh, we don't have to do works. We don't have to do works. You know, guess where they're going for their benefaction? They're going to the ministers who exercise authority one over the other. They're going to pray to Nimrod. They're going to pray to Caesar when they need help. They don't go to church to help one another. They go to church to feel good. What an abomination. What an abomination. They're not doing what Christ said. They're not doing what John the Baptist said. They're not doing what Moses said. They're not doing what Abraham said. So they're not Jews who are supposed to be following Abraham and Moses. And they're not Muslims who believe in Abraham, Moses, and Jesus Christ, even as a prophet. Because they're not doing it. They're doing the anti-gospel. They're doing the opposite. They're praying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And this is this is the way it is all across the board. I mean, the Buddhists aren't even doing what Buddha said. <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, and then if you want to read Thy Kingdom Come, you'll see that the Hindus aren't doing what Brahman said. And you'll find out who Brahman really was. But you have to go read that. And the book only costs $500. No, it doesn't cost $500. It's free. You can actually download it for free on the net at hisholychurch.org. Whole book. PDF. Don't even have to give us your email. It's just sitting there. You can just go get it and read it. But it won't do you any good unless you put the words into action. Till then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to look at some of the things that Peter said, and we're going to look at some of the things that are in the Bible and some of the things in history and how those things relate to one another, because history does repeat itself. Gone into terrible error. So anyway, um, 
pushing all my buttons here to get ready to start the show because I'm always running late. And I was talking in the last show about, you know, kind of my week, all the kinds of emails that I get constantly. And I've been going to the emails. And I've gone to, you know, I dump most of them right away. And as I go through them, and but then some of them remain on my, uh, in my email here. And I can look back over the weekend and I've gotten to like the second day of the week and I'm still going through tons and tons of emails because I also, you know, we work for a living. We don't require that the people support us, uh, although it's getting to the point where I can't, I can't keep both jobs and do a good job at both of them <laughs> because we're on the air, you know, about seven, eight hours a week. And then we uh, are running this network with hundreds and hundreds of people that are active and thousands of people that are probably there sitting on the fence trying to figure out what they should do. And what they should do is repent. And it's that simple. they they got to change directions. Repenting has to do with turning around and going in another direction. You don't want to just turn around. You want to turn around and go in that other direction. So, And this is what Christ said to do is repent. And everybody who thinks they're saved but they haven't repented are under a strong delusion. Because if you're not doing what Jesus said, you don't really believe in Jesus. That's right. If you're not doing what he said, you don't really believe in Jesus. you got to do what he says. And if you don't, you don't believe in him. You know, you can't say, well, you know, it's like saying, you know, I believe in the Democratic Party, but you always revote voting the Republican Party. Or you say that you believe in the Republican Party, but you're always voting in the Democratic Party. You don't really believe in those parties. I don't believe in either one of them. <laughs> I'm just giving you that as an example. Um, if you say you believe in Christ, then you would be doing what he said. And he said, repent. And seek the kingdom of God. And we were saying in the last show and showing you in the last show that uh, what the world was doing at the time of Christ and what the world is doing today. The world is the system or organization of government. That's most of the time in the Bible when you're reading the New Testament and they're talking about world. They're talking about a constitutional system, order, or government. Occasionally, they're also talking about an age. And occasionally, they're talking about inhabited places. And uh, there's a couple other places where you see a word translated in the world. But when they're talking about, my kingdom is not of this world, and you are to be in the world and not of this world, they're talking about a constitutional order and system of government. Because Jesus said we were not to be like the princes of the Gentiles. That's the other governments. That's the other world. The other systems. And even in Black's Law Dictionary, the church is defined as one form of government. And the church is a government. And there has to be a separation of church and the governments of the world because we're not of the world. And that means that the ministers of your church need to... Be not of the world. They can't be getting benefits from the world. They have to give that up to be disciples of Christ. They have to be. People say, oh, well, you don't want to incorporate your church because your church gets incorporated and becomes an entity of the state. Absolutely true. We have a whole article on that. 
whole chapter in the covenants of the gods, body of Christ versus body of the state. And we don't tell you based on what we think. We show you what they say. They say that if you incorporate your church, all other previous incorporation is null and void as if it never happened. If you incorporate your church under the statutes of the state, you become an entity of the state. Now, that's what they say. I'm not making it up. So, you're no longer part of the corpus of Christ. You're no longer established by Christ. You're now established by the state. You're a corporation of the state. You're a body of the state. Everything that you have belongs to the state. And the state can actually, in a corporation, the state can come in and remove the president of your corporation and put somebody else there. Because you're an entity of the state. Well, the church should not be an entity of the state. The church should be an entity of Christ, a corpus of Christ. And so you can't incorporate a church and still be a church established by Christ. You're reestablishing the church as an entity of the state. And you just can't do that. But if you're ministers of the church who are in positions of responsibility, I I say responsibility rather than authority. They have authority over their responsibility. They don't have authority over you. They have authority over their responsibility. To who? To Christ. So they're, because they're not incorporated to the state, they're incorporated to Christ. Okay, where do they pray for their daily bread? If they have to pray to the benefactors who exercise authority, apply for social security benefits and and all the stuff from the state, you might as well just incorporate the church because you're done. If the officers of your church are entities of the federal government, then your church belongs to the federal government. That's it because they're of the world. That simple. They can't be of the world. They have to be separate. Now, I'm, I'm not... I understand that most ministers are incorporated themselves, their personal uh, officio capacity as an, a person is incorporated to the state. And that's where, you know, they're going to depend on Social Security when they retire and all that stuff. Because why? Because the elders of their church, the, the members of their church, aren't doing what Christ said. Not even close. You see, those elders should be supporting their ministers. They should be providing them with a retirement. I know a guy who's really very close to the kingdom in many ways. He's from England and he's a pastor out here. And he has to collect Social Security. He has to buy his own house and retire in it because nobody constructed the churches that he was working in according to the way Christ said to construct them. And it's right in the Bible. It's right there in the text. But you missed it. <laughs> Joel Osteen missed it. <laughs> uh, Graham, Billy Graham missed it. His son missed it. They all missed it. That he's showing you how to operate the church. And if you went back in history and actually saw what they were doing, which you can do, and, and we write about it in those books that we charge hundreds of dollars for. No, we don't charge anything for them. They're free online. You can download them for free, all of them. If you get on thelivingnetwork.org and you ask the contact ministers that are there on each of those groups, those groups are based on geographical location, they'll tell you how to get a copy of 
those books. And besides that, if you're a little clever, you can you can find them on the website. Anyway, we don't we don't just leave them laying around because we believe in the concept of seeking ye shall find. So you you need to be looking for them. But we're not going to charge you for it. You know. You notice how Jesus was always walking out in the country. And crowds were following him. And he's going way out on top of hills and stuff like that. Why? Because he was setting a pattern of seeking and ye shall find. That's right. So you're going to have to seek and find Jesus Christ. And you've got to seek and find those books. Uh, you can find them. Easy enough. And you can. we actually will sell you hard copies because we just don't have the money to be handing out the hard copies. But anybody who sees what we operate on and how we operate realize that you're not going to find us living in a $10 million home, you know, or worth $40 million or, you know, and, and flying off the veil and getting kicked off the plane. And for that, we might get kicked off the plane, but it's because we're not one of those corporate guys that you want to see, not because we're misbehaving. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, the reality is that Christ was very specific on how to organize your church. And your ministers have to be separate from the world. Not just the the body of your church organization, but, you know, not just not incorporate your church, but your ministers have to be unincorporated from the state. Now, we have ministers that are members of the state, but they they don't get paid by us, and they act ex officio. And these are what we call licensed ministers. And they're not licensed by me. I don't have the power to license them. The people who pick them license them. So, in other words, if you're a family man, you have a wife and, and six kids, and, and you want a minister... How does he have a right to minister to you? He doesn't unless you give him permission, right? He can't be your minister unless you say so. So you give him license to be your minister. But you're just one guy. I mean, yeah, your wife's there too, and she's in on this, but you and your wife are one, and your children are your children. But if you get two adults from two different families that recognize the same guy as their personal minister, and you write it down that you are giving him license to be your minister, and you're putting your money where your mouth is. In other words, you, you give him some sort of a donation, you know, you know, a bag of chocolate or, you know, a nickel or whatever. Something. You know, a shekel. <laughs> and Or half shekel, even. Which I think is like a dime or maybe even a half dime. You give that to him. And you make a record of it. That you're giving it to him for the purposes of giving it to Christ. And you put it on record that you've done this. You and one other family. And you notify us and we check out and make sure that this is correct. We will agree that he is a minister of Christ ex officio. Even though he's still within the system. And he's still personally incorporated to the system. He's got another full-time job that you know, because it's not going to take a full-time job to be a minister of two people. Well, maybe. Depends on the two people. <laughs> How much of the job he's doing. Because this is the process of seeking the kingdom. Is that He's now your minister. And you're going to steadily start looking towards him 
rather than the priests and ministers of the state who you've been looking to for health education and welfare and all that stuff. So you're going to end up starting to move towards homeschooling if you're not already. Start looking at home health solutions. You'd be surprised at what you could do home health. And, you know, with the the decaying of the medical society and already the corruption of pharmaceutica, I really encourage you to start looking into home health and, and these other remedies. I mean, it saved my life. And the fact is, when you start going this way, a miraculous healing start taking place. And I'm just going to tell you that. But I'm not going to tell you the details. I'm going to tell you how it works. Because you're supposed to find out from Christ, from the Spirit of Christ, how it works. And actually, we do talk about it. It's in campfire talks and and in some of the events that happen amongst the congregation. But we don't want you to believe by signs and wonders. We want you to believe because it's written on your heart to believe that if you're not living by faith, hope, and charity and actually working to love your neighbor as yourself, you will be under tribute. You will go into bondage. And you will have rulers that take and take and take and take and take and take your sons and daughters and run them before their chariots and and curse them with death. You're going to have that. Wait a minute. You already do have that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, a, I don't, I'm not a prophet. I'm just telling you like it is. I mean, you can see it. It's happening right now. And this is how late it is. Your pastor should have been telling you this hundreds of years ago. At least a hundred years ago. And some were. Very few. But most of them were interested in in lining their pockets. Or being put up on pedestals. Or, you know, tickling your ears and having their own ears tickled by you. It was a mutual admiration society. We believe. We know God. We know Jesus. Bunk. If you knew Jesus, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in today. But that's good. Because now you get to repent. (laughs) I keep going back to that. I tell you how bad it is, but I don't want you to feel bad that it is bad. I want you to feel that you are empowered to repent, to turn around, go the other way, which means everybody should be trying to figure out, run down the library, run down to their their computers, and going to hisonlychurch.org or thelivingnetwork.org and signing up for their local groups which are, you know, like Texas and several states around Texas, and get on those groups and start getting active on those groups where you start gathering together and forming congregations of record and start contributing to those congregations of record in a way so that those ministers can take the time away from their own families and their own life and their own livelihood to go out and preach the real gospel of the kingdom of God which will lead you to a state where you can be ruled by God and receive the blessings of God and actually receive the protection of God with pillars of fire, which you will need before you're done. It's a process. That's why he uses process words like seek and endure and strive and persevere. Those are process words. It's an ongoing journey in a particular direction. So if you're not moving yourself and helping your neighbor move and the stranger in your midst move in the direction of a society that takes care of the needs of that society through faith, hope, and charity 
If you're not moving in that direction, you have not yet turned around and repented. If you're still moving like, I'm going to get somebody elected to office who's going to give me back my rights. No. You want your rights back, you've got to take back your responsibilities. You don't get them by electing somebody else who exercises authority. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you can go out and vote if you want and all that stuff. Free country. But that isn't the solution. Not the solution that Christ talked about. You certainly are free to try that. The solution Christ talked about was repenting and seeking the kingdom of God and His, what? Righteousness. It ain't righteous for you to take away from your neighbor so that you can have benefits. That ain't righteousness, folks. That's my southern accent. That ain't righteousness. That's, that word lends itself to a southern accent. And I can use a southern accent because I was raised in Texas. <laughs> you know, that's how I say Texas. I wasn't raised in Texas. I was raised in Texas. And uh, they used to call me Tex in the seminary because when I read the epistle of St. Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, everybody broke out laughing and I couldn't figure out why. So, you know, I have a son-in-law. He, he's from England and, and he thinks southern accents hurt his ears. Me, it's like going home. So, you're supposed to be seeking righteousness. Real righteousness. Real, real righteousness. Which means you have to start loving your neighbor as yourself. You have to start being like Christ. You have to start coming together to serve others. That means you're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to lay down your life even. You don't have to start out with your life. You start out with a hundred bucks. Given to a minister so he can go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom and tell other people, gather together for the purposes of Christ or you're not going to be saved. Because you don't believe in what he said. Two or more gathered in my name. you got to be working at that. Now, if those two are gathered in his name, they're going to want to gather with another two. Because that's part of, you know, groups of two gather in his name. So then that's four. Okay, then four are going to, if they're really gathering his name, they're going to want to gather together with two other groups of four. And now you got twelve. Oh my gosh, that's getting too many people. So they're going to divide up into another congregation. And you're going to have tens, hundreds, and thousands of people gathering in a network that is bound together by love. You think that's not going to make a difference? You think that's not going to make a ripple in the force? (laughs) You think that's not going to change the course of history? It will for you. Now, all those other people who want to keep praying to men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority to get benefits that curse their children, they can keep going doing that. And many of them will. You just got to decide what side of the equation you want to be on. And you want to be on Christ's side of the equation or Nimrod's side of the equation. 
And you can't just jump over there. You've got to start moving in the direction. Because you're so far down the pit, so far down the hole, so far down into the belly of Satan. You're just not going to change. I mean, you're the prodigal son. How many days did he walk before he saw his father's house? And his father saw him coming and ran out and met him. How many days? And along the way, did he ever start thinking, you know, man, that's really long, you know? Because he was in a far country, right? And he's thinking, like, I don't know if I can make it. No, don't worry. Holy angels are with you. You gotta, you gotta try. God isn't gonna run out and meet you unless you turn around and try. And you can't tell me you're trying if you've only got on an email group. Or you didn't even get on the email group. You just listen on the radio. That ain't trying. That's just listening on the radio. That's like, you know, like, uh, the prodigal son being back there working in the pig mire. But he's okay because he got a radio. He can hear the hometown station on the radio. He's carrying around with his little earphones. He's got his earphones on and he can play old tunes from back home. So it's almost like being back home. But it isn't like being back home. You're still in the pig mire. You want to get back home, you got to turn around and go the other way. That means you have to be moving in the direction of a system of society based on faith, hope, and charity instead of force. Forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare through men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You are not to be that way. You are to be the way that Christ said. And that's the way the church is. And if the church is going to be a free church belonging to Christ, it has to follow the precepts of Christ and the directives of Christ. And the ministers have to put on that character of Christ and do what he said to do. And this is what we talk about in the Free Church Report. And it's foreign, foreign to most churches. Absolutely foreign to most churches. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at all the different emails. I'm just thinking, I, local people writing me, other churches writing me, other people writing me. And one of the questions that came up, and actually there were several of them that came up from the one individual, so I was looking to see if I could find it. But... Um, Wanted to know what our opinion was on heaven and hell. And believe that eternal life means eternal life. Well, you know, what did Jesus say to do to obtain eternal life? That's always a big question because I actually heard ministers tell me exactly the opposite of what Jesus said. And said, well, well, Jesus said that. And I point out what he actually said. They said, oh, well, that was before the crucifixion. So Jesus was lying. <laughs> Jesus didn't know what he was saying, why he was incorrect. I mean, you, oh, these things that Jesus said, that is the gospel of Jesus. Those are the doctrines of Jesus. And he said, if you want to obtain eternal life, keep the commandments. Now, he knows that if you don't have his spirit in you, you will not be able to keep the commandments. And if you are actually walking with Christ and have his spirit dwelling within you and have made that full commitment to Christ, 
You can't help but keep the commandments. Because you have faith in Christ, faith in who He was, and you can't help but keep the commandments. That's right. I'm not saying on this road you're not going to stumble to this perfection. Because that's what He says. We're supposed to seek this perfection. But by policy in your life, you're not to be coveting your neighbor's goods. You're not to be praying to those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You are to be not coveting at all because that's against the commandment. And therefore, you will not be cursing your children through covetousness as Peter said you would do and as you have already done. You wouldn't be doing that. That simple. You know, if you if you get a concordance, you, you want you want to know where that is. Do you you really want to know where that says that in the Bible, where it talks about cursing your children? And isn't that in Peter? Doesn't he talk about that? I mean, he talks about you being merchandise, and everybody should know where that is. But he also talks about cursing your children, and why? Because you covet. And you're not supposed to be coveting. So, you know, think about, where where did he say all that? Where did he talk about all that? Can you find that in the Bible? You think about it. And where was this stuff about merchandise? And being merchandise? You know how many times he talks about you being merchandise? Do you know where all that is in your Bible? I know most of your ministers, they don't even know what Jesus called the weightier matters. Do you know where he talks about the weightier matters and why he condemns men who don't deal with the, you know, attend to the weightier matters? Well, we'll talk about that too when we get back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Yeah, if you, you go to Peter, Second Peter, chapter 1, right away. He's he's talking, uh, actually chapter 2, go to chapter 2. But there were false prophets also amongst the people. Even as there shall be false teachers amongst you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord, that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. You have done that. I mean, you you said, Lord, Lord, with your words. You, you even sing in your churches that he's your king, but then you're out there electing presidents. Can you have a president and a king? Can you be praying to presidents and governors and and the priests of those temples for benefits, even though you know those benefits are provided to you by taking away from your neighbor, provided by taking away from your neighbor by force. Not free will offerings like you see in the Old Testament. Not free will offerings like you see in the New Testament. But forced offerings like you see in Babylon. In the cities of Cain. In the cities of bondage of Egypt. Forced offerings. That is not the way of Christ. Christ's way was free will offerings. Lady Godiva knew it. You just don't seem to know it. Denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. 
What do you think that word destruction comes from? Do you have any idea at all? We could take a look at that. Let's see here. That's the word apolia. Perdition, destruction, waste, destroying, utter destruction. It even says destruction of money. And of course, what's your money worth today? It's being destroyed daily. Why? Because you're praying to benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many. <laughs> many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What's the way of truth? Faith, hope, and charity. Live by faith, hope, and charity. And he goes on in verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Make human resources of you. Bring you into bondage. You are in bondage. You say Christ has set you free. But you are seeking the benefits of benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. That Christ said not to do. So why would Christ make you free? You should be under bondage. You should be under tribute. You should be. You've been slothful. Your churches don't take care of the social welfare of your society. Because your churches aren't religious anymore. Religion, remember, is a performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. That's how you're supposed to take care of the needy of your society. Through charity. You don't do that. You do it through the arm of Nimrod. Babylon. Babylon the Great. That is how you've been seeking the kingdom of whatever. It's not the kingdom of capital G-O-D. It's the kingdom of small G-O-D. The kingdoms of the world. You take care of your needy through forced contributions, not through free will offerings. And so, therefore, you have been slothful in the ways of God, slothful in the ways of Abraham, slothful in the ways of Moses, slothful in the ways of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, And therefore, you should be under tribute, and they should take and take and take and take and take from you. And when you cry out, God will not hear you, unless you repent. Now, do you have to repent and get all the way back before he will save you? No, but you have to be going in the right direction, which means repent and turn towards God and go after his ways. Start creating those congregations. Start supporting those congregations of faith, hope, and charity. So that when the system of unrighteous mammon, mammon being entrusted wealth, you've entrusted your wealth. You've paid in to these systems for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they are in a negative state. They are operating in the red. They are all in the hole. We talked about that in the last show. They all are bankrupt. They are the unrighteous mammon. And they are failing. And you have nothing to take their place. And don't tell me you're trusting in God. Not unless you're trusting in the way of God, which is to gather together in faith, hope, and charity and form a nation, a peculiar people that are bound together not by corporate contract, not under penalty of perjury, but by love for one another. So, We show you the legal way in which to form a church based on two or more witnesses that are picking a minister who is meeting the criteria of Christ and how to network them together so you're not just isolated congregations but an actual peculiar people 
bound by this faith, open charity, not just in one country, but in all countries, beyond the world, living in the world, but not of it. And that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in an instant. That doesn't happen just because you say some words or fill out even a few pieces of paper. It happens by what Christ did, you doing. What did Christ do? He sacrificed. Though he was rich, he made himself poor. He walked out. He put his life at risk. Now, you don't have to start with the big things. But we have ministers who are stepping out, putting themselves at risk. Who's speaking not against the system of men, but for the system of Christ, which is contrary to the system of men. And you cannot be covetous. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment, condemnation, now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Their damnation slumbereth not. They are bound. You are bound. Because you have gone into covetous systems. And we're not just talking health care. We're talking public schools. We're talking welfare. We're talking all these things are based on not free will offerings, but forced contributions. It is coveting your neighbor's goods every time you want a benefit that is comes from a compelled offering. That is not the ways of God. It was free will offerings. Free will offerings. Free will offerings. Even the Koran tells you that. The Bible certainly tells you over and over and over and over again. Christ told you that. John the Baptist told you that. Paul told you that. Unless you have charity, you got nothing. Oh, but I said the words. But you ain't got charity. You are not supporting a, another form of government that operates by faith, open charity. And it doesn't mean you send it to me. It means you gather together in local congregations. Those who I serve will take care of my needs. Those who gather together, you take care of the needs of your immediate minister. But you make sure he isn't going to go out there and become worth $40 million and live in mansions while you don't. Christ went out and he could have lived in the temple. He was giving commands in the royal treasury surrounded by big bucks and he went out and slept in the Garden of Gethsemane. Which of your ministers will do that? No, you guys, you are making the ones who have brought in the damnable heresies rich. And therefore, you shall be poor. Because they are leading you into condemnation. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and eight persons, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the city of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after which should live ungodly. You tell me. What's going on here? What's he talking about? And delivered just Lot, vexed with filthy conversations of the wicked. 
for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed him his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Do you see any unlawful deeds around you? Are you seeking another way? The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of the temptation and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. But you have to be seeking the ways of Christ. Or you will be counted amongst the ungodly, the workers of iniquity. And he will say, Get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know you not. The fact is, when you start this walk, you will start to learn more and more about God and his ways. You don't start off knowing all the answers. You start off going and you learn along the way. Christ's kingdom is a learn-by-doing kingdom. Verse 10, he says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. You know that word government there is never translated government anywhere else in the Bible. It's translated dominion. You were given dominion, but you've gone and given dominion to men who exercise authority one over the other. And you have a common purse of rights now, and they can take or take and take and take. And... Decide what you get back. Because you despise dominion yourself. You didn't take on the responsibilities of dominion. You were supposed to be taking care of the needs of your neighbor through faith, hope, and charity and through congregations that are free assemblies that operate by that charity, freely giving and freely receiving. The world does not freely give and freely receive. They will take... If you are eligible for the entitlement, they are entitled to your pocket. And they should be entitled to your pocket, and you should pay them everything they ask. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And you're Caesar's, so he can tell you how much you have to give. And it should be that way for those who have been slothful in the ways of God's government. And despise the dominion and the responsibility of that dominion that God put up on your shoulders when he said, dress and keep it. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. You haven't been loving your neighbor as yourself. You haven't been gathering together to create the buddy system times 10 to take care of the emergency needs and the social welfare needs of your neighbor. That is the purpose of church, not to make you feel good once a week. So that you can imagine that you're saved. That is not the job of the church. Instead, you curse one another with debt. You even curse your children with debt. In Jeremiah 11.3 we see, And say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. The covenant was that you were to keep those commandments. You're not keeping them. So what happens in Second Peter 2.14? We didn't get that far. But that's where you want to look. Second Peter. Through covetousness he would make merchandise of you. In, in verse 11, Whereas the angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. That's you he's talking about. 
You're a part of the beast if you ask those benefactors to take from your neighbor to provide you with social welfare. Homeschool your children. Don't make your neighbors pay for your child's education. Teach them in the homes as it says in the Old Testament. God hasn't changed. Where did Jesus say, yeah, let's start a public school system and make everybody pay into it so that you can have free education for your kids and if anybody refuses to pay into it, let's take their home away from them and throw them out in the streets and sell their home to somebody who will pay into the schools that we want. Sure, when I put it like that, it doesn't sound good. It is a collective. It is a common purse you have entered, and it runs towards evil. Proverbs. Verse 13, And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. You're living an unrighteous system, based on force, not charity, not love. As they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, that's what you're doing. You're rioting against God. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. You're deceived. Somehow or other you think it's okay to take from your neighbors so that you can have the benefits you want, your health clinics and your and what have you. You shouldn't be doing that. That is not Christ like. Republicans do it. Democrats do it. Even some libertarians do it. But it's not Christ-like. It's not coming in the name of Christ. It's coming in the name of Cain. It's coming in the name of Nimrod. That's what they did. The evil Pharaoh. Yeah, man. I'm a bummer. So anyway, we get down to having eyes full of adultery. You've been fornicating with the beast. Yeah, with the beast. And that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. Yeah, that you've been beguiled. You've been said, Oh, nothing you have to do. Just come to church. We'll make you feel good. We'll sing some songs. We'll say some praise. We'll talk about how wonderful you are, how much Jesus loves you. And then you can go back to coveting your neighbor's goods and exercising authority one over the other to get the benefits that you want because we're not going to give you any benefits, but our preacher here is worth $40 million. That's what you've been doing. Sounds pretty goofy when I say it, but that's what it is. Though they were poor, they made themselves rich, tickling the ears of foolish, foolish people. Unstable souls, beguiled in their pews to believe that they believe in Jesus while they pray to men who exercise authority one over the other to get benefits by sucking the life out of their neighbor by force. Vampires and well-woes are your preachers. And heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed their children. There you have it. Verse 14, Second Peter, chapter 2. Curse their children. That's what you've done. Curse them with debt. You haven't kept the Sabbath. I don't care. You say, oh, we're keepers of the Sabbath. No. No, not if you're in debt. And if you're a citizen of the United States with one of those benefit numbers, you're in debt. Because the system is in debt. 
where you were once entitled, now they're entitled to you to pay that debt. And they're entitled to your children to pay that debt. You know, we wrote Covenants of the Gods and we show you how this works. And everybody says, oh, so I want out of the system. How do I get out of the system? I don't know how to get you out of the system. I can't get you out of the system. What kind of power do you think I have? I can tell you how to get into the system of the kingdom. I can tell you how you got into bondage. Nobody can get you out of bondage but God. Now, he could do it in an instant. You're not going to do it by signing papers and filling out things and sending them in. Till then, you better give to Caesar what is Caesar's. When it fails, be ready to receive the blessings of God. If you have turned around and been seeking the blessings of God, if you've still been paying your tally of bricks and being honorable with the unrighteous mammon, but seeking the ways of the kingdom at night, gleaning your straw, your benefits from the field, not from the world. By faith, open charity gleaning. Gleaning is a charitable thing. Which have forsaken the right way, that's what you've done, and are gone astray, that's what you've done, following the ways of Balaam, which is the ways of the Nicolaitans, and the son of Bozer, who love the wages of unrighteousness, the wages there, the benefits of unrighteousness, the free education, the health care, the WIC, the EBT cards, you know, food stamps, all that. You love the wages, the benefits of unrighteousness, because all those things are provided to you by men who exercise authority one over the other, contrary to the way Christ said. goes on in verse 16, But was rebuked for their iniquity. I'm doing that. And the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. <laughs> uh, you can put that together yourself. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... Or the freest country in the nation. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped, back there in 1776, from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruptions, of whom a man is overcome, of the same. Is he brought in bondage? That's where you're at. You're all in bondage again. All in bondage again. I, I hear, you know, somebody I know on Facebook who's not far from the kingdom in many ways. Stubborn as a post, but, you know, stubbornness is the way they come sometimes. But a very giving person in many ways. Putting their foot in their mouth all the time. Of course, my job is to do that. <laughs> I'm not putting my foot in my mouth, but I'm sure stepping on toes. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, their pastor is not really giving them the full knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not a bad guy himself. But he's not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's afraid they won't accept him. And he, even when I asked, he asked me, so what should I say? And he whispers it. Why are you whispering it? 
Say it out loud. What should I say to the people? What should I be teaching? Teach them the truth. God does not want you coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority one over the other. Jesus said it. Repeat it. That simple. They are again entangled therein and overcome. And the latter end is worse than it was in the beginning. There you are. That's where you're at. And and we're not even at the end. It's going to get worse. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment, including thou shalt not covet, and delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That is where we're at. Repent. Turn around. Come join us on the Living Network. Start seeking the kingdom and God will bless you. Till then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.